Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. everybody. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for joining this program tonight. I think you will not be disappointed. <laughs> the reason I don't think you're going to be disappointed is because it is not every day. Yeah, walk into a prison that was built in 1860 before the Gettysburg Address. Uh, but I did. And I went into that prison for a very good reason, to interview one Drew Peterson, that guy. And I know, I didn't recognize him either. The cane, the, the limp, the, the oh, he's 70 years old. He's like limping along. He's bent over. It's, he's not the man that I expected to encounter. He is not the man from 12 to 15 years ago. He's not even got the hair anymore. But that wasn't even the biggest surprise that I had when I sat down to interview Drew Peterson. Uh, by refresher... He uh, was found guilty of murdering his third wife. He is suspected of murdering his fourth wife. She's never been found after disappearing mysteriously. Um, but the biggest shock was not the limp and the falling over during one of the parts of the interview and the older, withered away appearance. It was really what he said. When I asked him, you're here for life. <laughs> you're not getting out. Why not just admit it? And the thing that came out of his mouth next was jaw-dropping. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear the raw, unedited video in just a moment. You're also going to hear how he spends his days. Because when you're in a, a maximum security and you're a former cop from Chicago area, uh, you got to be in something called PC, protective custody. So who are the others in his PC pod? Turns out a couple of other cops and a couple of other murderers and child molesters. And you will hear who his friends are and who his friends aren't. That's all coming up in just a moment. And then we've got new details tonight about the guy who was hauled in in cuffs, suspected of murdering Lake and Riley, that jogger on the UGA campus who was just viciously murdered. It turns out the guy who they've hauled in has a checkered past. He's here illegally. This is his most recent mugshot, and his brother also has been arrested. They say he's got a fake green card. Turns out he was even working on campus, washing dishes with his fake green card. Campus says they fired him as soon as they couldn't have the documents match up because it's fake. So... All in the family? I don't know. Turns out he's got a wife, though, this accused murderer. And the wife is talking. What do you suppose she has to say about the guy who's accused of murdering this innocent nursing student who was out for a morning run, broad daylight? She's an illegal immigrant as well. Came in over the border with him. Popped on a bus to New York. Okay, so, so many stories about, like, like just so many questions about this. The brother, the accused killer, 
the wife. I'm going to straighten all that out in a moment. And then the, the, the dad who allegedly lined up his three little boys, all under the age of seven, shot them all dead with a rifle, execution style, then just sat there on the porch and waited for the cops to arrive, yammering the whole time. I watched it on videotape. I heard the things he said, confessing the whole time to what he'd done. Now he's not so happy about the things he said. No kidding. They never are. Now Chad Dornan wants all those words suppressed, out of the way, which is inconveniently pushed aside because that stuff doesn't look good in a court of law when a jury is going to decide whether you live or die for the triple murder of your sons, right? Allegedly. Can he do that? Can he just wipe away the things he said on camera, the stuff I already heard? Can he just wipe them away? Well, there's an interesting argument here. I am going to lay it all out for you. You will be the decider. But man, the stakes couldn't be higher. Three little babies murdered. Death penalty on the line for their dad. All right, so even in my line of work, it's not every day that I come face-to-face in a very small room, like almost knee-to-knee, with a convicted killer. But last week I did. I traveled to a maximum security prison in the heartland to sit down with this famous former cop who was condemned to spend the rest of his days behind those soaring stone walls. Drew Peterson is now 70. That's hard to digest. Uh, His birthday was just last month, and he's a lot quieter these days than he used to be. He's not quite as, as brash as you might remember. He even, you know, walks with a cane because he sometimes loses his balance. He talked to me about all kinds of things, from his day-to-day existence in protective custody, to the cold-blooded crime that put him away for life, to the equally heinous crime that he is believed to have committed. This video you're seeing right now is when he stood up for our interview and then, like, fell over. Watch. And then he has to, like, hold the wall because he's so unsteady. Right there, he almost fell into our cameraman there. That's why he has that cane. So on the point of that um, fourth wife, he said something that almost knocked me out of my chair. It was about the fourth wife and the third wife and the whole thing that he always insists he's innocent. But then I think maybe he accidentally confessed. You're going to hear all of that in just a moment. But first, here's a little history about Drew Peterson. He was sentenced to 38 years in prison for the 2004 murder of his third wife, Kathleen Savio. He almost certainly would have gotten away with it if it hadn't have been for that pesky disappearance of his fourth wife, Stacy, which happened just three years later in 2007. This is the old Drew Peterson there with a smile in the mugshot. There he is with Stacy, maybe in happier times. Um, motorcycle, you know, passed all the press because he liked the headlines. Drew insists that uh, Stacy just up and ran off with another man one day, just left her four young children and her beloved sister forever. And I'm sorry, but that is hard to swallow for her family, not to mention for the investigators. So they decided they needed to take a second look at the, the death of that third wife that at the time was not suspicious. That's the wife that he married before Stacy. Her name was Kathleen. The third Mrs. Peterson was found dead in a dry bathtub. She had wet hair, head injury in a dry bathtub. 
only months after she and Drew had divorced. And just mere weeks before a key hearing on finances and child custody. You know how that goes. Even when they were married, they did not seem to be particularly happy. Police had been called to their home 18 times for domestic disturbances. Kathleen got a court order to keep Drew away. He's got answers for all of that, too. Uh, but he's absolutely never owned up to Kathleen's murder. Says he never, ever lifted a finger. 18 domestic disturbances. Despite being convicted of it, he says, absolutely not. Didn't do it. And he's only considered a suspect in Stacy's disappearance, right? So he's not convicted of that. But I asked him, why not just come clean? You were in prison until you were 127 years old. You got a whole second sentence for having the, you know, arranging to have the prosecutor killed. It, it didn't happen, but, you know, you got a second sentence, 40 years for that. You're going to die. You're going to die behind bars. What is so compelling about his answer isn't so much what he said, but more what he didn't say. He didn't say, I'm not going to come clean and admit it because I'm innocent. Who knew? Take a look at what he did say. You're definitely not going to live to 127, that's sure. for sure. So what's the downside of just laying it all out there? What's the downside of just saying it all? What's the downside? I'm not wanting my children to believe that I killed their mothers. I do not want my kids to think that, that about me. It sounds like you did do that, and you just don't want them to know. No, I didn't do that. I want them to know the truth and believe the truth. Drew, and I just asked you what's the downside of just laying it all out there. And the answer would have been, there's nothing to lay out. Instead, you said, I don't want my children knowing. No, I don't want them thinking that of me. You see what I, you see what I just did? Sure. I, I asked you what the downside sure. is of just laying it all out there and being honest, and you said you didn't want your children knowing that. We can that. sit here, and you're an expert interviewer, and you can manipulate what I'm saying any way you want. I'm not manipulating you. I want to know the truth. I'm saying it's possible. So it's just like my thing is. I'm very guarded now with what I say to you. I think you let your guard down. Well... I think you just said to me, you're not going to lay it all out there because you don't want your children knowing. I'm not going to say nothing that's going to make my children believe that uh, I killed their mothers. What if being honest actually made things better? I have been honest. And the thing is, telling them a lie that I did something is ludicrous, stupid. If I did it and when I went, wanted to come clean to them, then yes, but I didn't. You know, O.J. Simpson wrote a book called If I Did It. Right. And he wrote a book about if he'd done it, this is the way he would have done it. Right. Do you okay. ever think about something like that? No. Not at all. You never imagine... If I'd actually done it, this is the way it would have happened? I don't think that... Is, does O.J. get to keep any of that money? Not anymore. So it's just like, why do it? You, you were about to say something. You said, I don't think that, and then you stopped. What, what was it you were going to say? I don't think that would be beneficial for me to write a book. Why not? For what? What yeah, reason? A lot of time. There's no money. There's no money involved in it. 
It's not always about money. Pay not everything's me. about a payday. You're going to pay me, I'll do it. Don't you're you want your conscience clear? Don't you want people to believe your truth? You say no one listens to you. Why not write a book? I would want my conscience clear only if I was guilty. My conscience is clear. So, how can I clear it anymore? Do you fear that you're being forgotten? It don't matter. I'd rather be forgotten. If I'm forgotten, then nobody's bringing up new charges on me or accusing me of something else. I'd rather forget me. You really want people to forget you? Sure. Except my children. Oh, yeah, I don't care. You don't seem to be the kind of person, um, from the outside looking in, that wants to be forgotten. You seem to be someone who enjoys the limelight. Nope. Get me out of it. The limelight is what exaggerated everything and got me in here. So you're a different person now? I'm a different person? I'm the same as I always was. Well, that Drew Peterson loved the limelight. Yeah, it's just part of my obnoxiousness. But now you're saying you don't want the limelight. I just want I want to be forgotten. Leave me alone. Are you happy that there's fewer letters, fewer headlines? No. Some people don't know who Drew Peterson is. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference to you one way or the other? None. If you're fading from the headlines? None. None whatsoever. Because if you were to decide to come clean and to talk... I have come clean. <laughs> you would no longer be obscure. Describe your definition of obscure. Well, fewer and fewer people know who you are. Fewer and fewer people know the story. It's, it's becoming an older story, Great. and memories are fading. Great. Fade. Forget. So there's nothing that you would do to change that. There's nothing that you would do to say, it's time for you all to know my story, whatever that story is. It doesn't matter. If I said, till I'm blue in the face, I did not do this, People are just going to say, yeah, right. If I said, yeah, I did this. See, I told you. Everybody's like, told you so. So it doesn't matter. It, it, it has no benefit to me to say anything one way or the other. None. How do you think um, life has been so unfair to you? If everything's rigged against you, why is that? Why? People enjoy seeing policemen in trouble. They really do. I was a policeman for 32 years, and I've seen a lot of cops get in trouble, and people enjoy that. Am I right? So the whole reason for the disaster that has become of your life, sitting here incarcerated until you're 127 years old, is because people don't like police officers? No, it's just the, the prosecution got stuck with this thing. They took it so far, now they're stuck with it. Do something with it. They had to get a, get a conviction. I think it's a little more complex than that. If you look at your entire life, four wives cheated on all of them with the next. Multiple abuse complaints from many of the wives. Accusations of murder. Accusations of orchestrating the demise of a prosecutor. Um, accusations that you're making that 
one of your wives is actually alive and that her sister is keeping the ruse going just to sink you and get publicity. There are a lot of things that have to go against you. There's a whole conspiracy of the world against Drew Peterson for all of those stories to be true. Okay. Do you understand how hard it is to believe all that and how preposterous it sounds? I don't care. That wasn't the question. But I'm telling you, I don't care. But the question was, <laughs> do you understand why it is preposterous to believe all of those conspiracies? Right. I understand why. People, people enjoy seeing a policeman in trouble. It's all about hating police? Some of it, yeah. And the rest of it? People love gossiping about people. If you went out because you have a certain amount of popularity, if you went out and killed your husband, oh my God, holy shit, that's a big story. She had to have done it. And how do you fight your way out of that? Put yourself in my position. How do you get out of it? You tell people you didn't do it. Everybody says they didn't do it. So put yourself in my position. What would you do? Put yourself in my position, he said. What would you do? What would I do? I would be screaming from the rooftop that I didn't do it. Now, he does say that every so often, but it's not the first answer to every question. I certainly wouldn't be joking about killing people, especially killing wives. Now, hold that thought for a second, because I just wanted to remind you, as you were watching that interview, that was eight minutes straight. No edits. We wanted to run that raw so that you got the dynamic of what it's like to talk to them. And that's the joy of having this program. It's not like, you know, Dateline, where they cut it all up. This is raw. You're getting every piece of mood that I encountered from Drew Peterson. After we wrapped up the interview, uh, Drew was talking. He kept talking, and we kept talking, while the crew was getting a few pieces of extra video, some wider shots and side shots. So I just kept asking him questions, and I asked him why he agreed to even meet with me since he knew that I was going to ask tough questions. At least I assumed he did. And he joked, and I quote, unless you marry me, I won't kill you. I am not kidding. Unless you marry me, I won't kill you. Just have a look at this. Listen closely. Me always wonders why, like, when if we ask for an interview in a prison, why not? You know, what else you got going on, right? It's just a nice change in the daily. That's why I'm, that's why I'm here talking to you. But a lot of guys say no. Say no? Well, some might have this feeling that you're trying to get them or get, this is going to be used against them somehow or something. Take know. it all their own? So the thing is, some can't. Yeah. You know, you, you, things get twisted and turned. I mean, you get to twist and turn everything I say. I really do sense, Drew, that you're... Um, tired of it all like you're you're just kind oh, of, you're a different person i am you're a very different person i'm tired of it all than when we first saw you whatever you whatever you thought in the process that you were in when you were in it when you were doing perp walks and all the rest you seem to be enjoying it or at least you seem to be playing in the circus sure and um you had a lot of energy you know whether it was mental energy physical energy whatever it was right. You were a very different person. Okay. Today, I feel like you're sitting here because, again, why not? But for no other reason. Like, I don't even sense that you are fighting 
to have me believe you're innocent. Like, I don't feel that you have the fight in you. Well, the thing is, if you have a lot of people like you coming at you, and they all hyped up about you and kind to you and everything, and all of a sudden you see me on TV and they're bad-mouthing you, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> That's not what we said. <laughs> so it's just like I've kind of become callous to you and people like you. Yeah. I don't hate you, but it's just like I'm... No offense taken. Don't worry about I'm, it. I get it. I'm a journalist. It's my job to be I'm, tough, so I'm, you need to understand I'm, that, right? I'm cautious about you. Of because course. they've screwed me in the past. As I am about you. Because it's our jobs. And I promise, right? unless you marry me, I'll kill you. I'm making a joke. I will guarantee you that it's not going to happen, my friend. Okay. Um, it is a little weird to have four wives, you know? Not really. Yeah, it is. I see a lot of... Well, in your world, in my world, it's not. How many people do you know that had four wives? A few. How many people do you know that had four wives and two of them are either dead or suspiciously missing? Just me. Yeah. See what I mean? That I know. But you see what I mean? And that's fine. Eventually, Drew Peterson admitted that he did agree to the interview because there there isn't a whole lot else to do um, in the maximum security. So I also want you to hear who he spends his time with in his protective custody prison pod. So give me an example of the, the name of your, your best friend in here who you commiserate with. Who, who is he and what's his story? Well, I have a bunch of people I talk to. And it's just a matter of talking to them. It's just, you know, talk about their kids, talk about... Uh, can, you, can you tell me some of the names of the guys that you uh, are friendly with? No. Because? They don't want me to. Okay. So without naming them... Give me some examples of the friendships that you have. Well, I kind of keep to myself pretty much, but the friends that I got are just guys coming in, they talk for a little bit and they leave. Somebody else come in and talk for a little bit and leave. And uh, that's about it. What are some of the other infractions um, that your friends here are in for? Well, a lot of murderers. A lot of, there's some child molesters in here. There's... Uh, a whole gamut of crimes. So some of your friends who you've been able to make inside here in protective custody are murderers and child molesters? Sure. They've turned out to be good friends? What do you mean by good friends? Do you have any good friends? I'd say i got some who don't want to be brought up in here. <laughs> sure, I understand. So, But they're serious offenses. Yeah. Yeah. And are they also innocent, or are some of them definitely guilty? Don't ask. They don't tell me. You don't talk about it? No. Do you believe that they're guilty of the crimes they're in for? Well, I know I'm that, so it's just like uh, they could be just as innocent, but I don't know. So I don't judge them. So you don't discuss the crimes that your fellow inmates are in for? Not really. And you and the, the closer friends that you've made don't discuss your crimes between Not each other? Not really, no. Not really, but a little bit? Not really. It's just kind of like, uh, why are you here? What happened to you? And that's about the extent of it. Does it ever cross your mind that if they're in for, say, child molesting, you might not want to be their friend? It's not the moral character that you like? Um, I know I don't belong in here. I can't judge whether they do or not. So there's an amnesty among all of you in terms of judging each other's crimes? For me, there is. I don't judge anybody. And what makes you sad? What makes me sad? Mm. I mean, 
when I was a policeman, cops made fun of everything. Something happened, cops could laugh at it, just that. The only thing they didn't laugh at was a hurt child. And other than that, everything else was fair game. And you may think they have sick brains about it, but no, just how they cope with bad things. But when a child's hurt, then it's everybody's serious, stone face. It's like there's nothing funny about it. So children being hurt is what really gets to you. It always has, because I have children myself. I can imagine my children being hurt like that. It Does it concern you that some of your friends are child molesters? In here? Again, you're in a different environment, and so you're trying to just make do, and you don't judge nobody. I don't judge these guys. None of them. Would I want them for next-door neighbors? Probably not. It is interesting that as a cop former cop. He says the only thing that upsets him is children being hurt, yet he admits his friends in prison are child molesters, but that they don't talk about those crimes. Still to come, would you think, well at least I know you would, you would think, after years of professing his innocence, after years of insisting that we all got it wrong about him, that he didn't kill his third wife or his fourth wife, you would think that Drew Peterson would be worried about those two wives. One of them murdered in a bathtub, the other one missing and presumed dead. And you would be very, very wrong. Wait until you hear the heartless comments that he makes about those wives and the jokes about killing a potential fifth wife, me. That's next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peterson has been locked up for almost 15 years now for killing his third wife, Kathleen Savio. First, he was held in the county jail, and then after being convicted of murder, he was moved to a maximum security state prison. And even though he has never been convicted of killing his fourth wife, Stacy, he does remain the prime suspect in her disappearance, and now it's a presumed death. And although he swears that he's innocent of both of these killings, he unloaded on both of these victims, disparaging them in our interview, our exclusive one-on-one interview. Take a look. Is Stacy dead? I don't know. What do you think? I believe, see, if you look into her life, her mother did the same thing. Her mother did the same thing, disappeared like that. Stacy always loved and admired her mother. And so if Stacy did what her mother did, I could, I could believe that all day long. Kathy, my third wife. Yeah, she's your third. She, uh, she'd fight at a snap of a finger. She'd just want to argue all the time. She, she was a very, what's the word? Well, she was very Italian. <laughs> she was very 
boisterous, very combative. Uh, it, it had to be her way or no way. And I didn't really put up with that. So it's like. What a, does that mean when you say you didn't put up with that? I didn't want to hear it. You know, it's and, a, and what would you do there to was not no hear it? There was no confidence. I'd walk away. So, Drew, it's hard to understand walking away right. results in a domestic disturbance call 18 times over. It sounds to me like you didn't maybe always walk away. I walked away. Or she'd follow me out. She'd follow me out the door yelling. It was like, okay, <laughs> what do you do with that? But who calls in a domestic disturbance when someone walks away? Don't know. It doesn't have to be the people involved in it. It could be neighbors or... But you're asking me why I'm skeptical. Right. And you're telling me something that a reasonable person would find skeptical. Right? Okay, that's fine. Be skeptical, but I know what happened. By the way, he said both of the wives were... Uh, Italian in the way they were combative with him verbally. He always maintained he always walked away, never raised his hand, never assaulted either of them, even though there are all those calls and witnesses said that the women themselves had, uh, had said that they were abused. Uh, see the difference there? He just turned 70 last month, and we could not help but notice a major decline in his appearance. He'd certainly lost weight, for one thing. Uh, he walked with a limp. He was very unsteady and used a cane because of it. Here's what he said about his health and his day-to-day -day life in the maximum security prison that was built way, way back in 1860. How's it been? Boring. Very boring. I need to work. All my life I've had like two or three jobs same time as working the police job, always worked. So now it's I'm here and there's not a lot going on for me. So it's like, uh, especially at this establishment, there's no jobs for me. So okay. Why no job? They're all full. They're all taken. Jobs are hard to come by. So. So if you could get one, you would want one. Probably right. You on a waiting list? No. So how do you pass your day? Uh, watch a lot of TV. I sleep a lot, so. Take me through your normal day, right from the moment <laughs> you know you wake up. I wake up and I eat the breakfast. All our food is brought to us on trays. We don't go to a cafeteria ever. So we get a styrofoam tray with our meals on it. And uh, after that, I get up and I just stir around a little bit. There's not a lot going on. What else is going on with your health? Anything new or different since you came in? No, I just, uh, I'm pretty healthy, you know. Give me, give me a bit more of a description as to why you're using a cane. Like, why is it you're using a cane? Uh, I have a, I try not to use it. The COs are always, don't forget your cane. Okay, great. Why do you need it? I really don't. There's, I have an imbalance or something in my head. There's Makes no, you dizzy? Well, I'll get like woozy and I'll like stutter or stumble or whatever. But that's new since you came into the yes. prison system. Yes. And so what happens is the cane stabilizes me. Okay. Any idea what that is? What's causing it? No idea. The doctors don't know either. So if they don't know, how am I supposed to know? Tomorrow you're going to hear what Drew Peterson says about the searches that have been launched by the sister of his fourth missing wife, Stacy, and what that sister claims she has discovered in a canal near Drew's house where Drew's phone pinged. 
Plus, Stacy's pastor, Neil Shorey, is going to join me live. He testified during Drew's trial uh, that Drew Peterson coached Stacy to cover up Kathleen's murder before Stacy herself disappeared. Again, that's tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern right here on News Nation. I hope you will join me. Lots more of that interview to come. And still to come tonight, the inmate has a wife, and the wife is talking. We have a major update about that illegal immigrant who was arrested in the murder of the nursing student on the UGA campus. The wife who crossed into the U.S. illegally with the suspected killer may just know him best. So what does she think? Does she think he's the killer? You're going to hear next. This is The Making of America from the Jefferson Media Group. Ellen Ochoa was born in La Mesa, California in 1958 with a love of music and a quest for adventure. After earning a master's degree in engineering, she applied to be one of America's first female astronauts, but was denied. After graduating flight school, she reapplied and was accepted. Her first journey into space was in 1993 and then again in 1999 aboard Discovery where they performed the first-ever docking at the International Space Station. In 2013, Dr. Ellen Ochoa became the director of the Johnson Space Center. This has been The Making of America. I'm Michael Emerson, and you can visit us at jeffersonmediagroup.com. Food at home, otherwise known as grocery store food prices, will likely go up this year, but by far less than in recent years. Agriculture Department economist Megan Schweitzer is forecasting food prices to rise by 1.6% in 2024. That's quite a bit lower than the 5% increase we saw in 2023. And hugely lower than 2022 when shoppers saw grocery store prices increase almost 11.5%. So 1.6% would be lower even than the average yearly run-up in food prices, which tends to run about 2.7%. And Megan told us also. If we were to see 1.6% growth, that would be the lowest we've seen since 2019 when food at home prices rose by 0.9%. And Megan says some food categories actually will cost less than they did last year, including pork products, fish and seafood, cereal and bakery products, and eggs. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. As a firefighter, my job was about saving lives. I never thought one day I would be fighting for mine. After spending his career answering the call to save others, Ken was diagnosed with ALS. Now he's facing his biggest battle for more time. For 70 years, Muscular Dystrophy Association has been helping people live longer and more independent lives. I wouldn't be living as good of a life with ALS if it wasn't for MDA. Learn more at mda.org. You're listening to Banfield on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Here's a fun fact for you the average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. 
A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hey, everything okay? Yes, I'm fine. Honey. Hey, I'm here for you. Tell me about school today. When kids can't find the right words, music can help them sound it out. Talk to the kids in your life about their emotional well-being. Find tools and resources at SoundItOutTogether.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Pivotal Ventures. Brand new life, brand new life, brand new life around. You sense a theme here? Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to RewindTV.com and check it out. I need to pay my taxes. What are my payment options? The IRS has several options for paying your taxes. You can pay with IRS Direct Pay, a debit or credit card, or with an electronic funds withdrawal when you e-file your return. If you can't pay the full amount, consider paying over time with an online payment agreement or our Offer in Compromise program. Both tools are available on irs.gov. Go to irs.gov payment to find an option that is best suited for you. Tonight we have a lot of new details about Jose Antonio Ibarra. Um, we have a new mugshot recently released. I'm going to show it to you in a moment. Um, he is the asylum seeker from Venezuela, charged with murdering a nursing student in Athens, Georgia. Some say asylum seeker, others say illegal immigrant, but tonight we have a lot of new details about him. So let's start with this. Um, we know that he's got an estranged wife named Leiling Franco. She slipped into the U.S. right alongside him back in 2022. Couple was caught. They were detained in Texas, but a week later they were reportedly released and put on a bus for New York City. And after that, Jose Ibarra was arrested again for endangering a person under the age of 17. He's accused of having his wife's little boy on a moped without a helmet. But before immigration got involved, poof, he was released. And two months after that, in November 2023, uh, he and the wife split up. She stayed in New York. He moved in with his brother Diego Ibarra in Athens, Georgia, just a five-minute walk where, from where Lake and Riley was murdered on Thursday on the University of Georgia campus. On Saturday, Ibarra's wife gave an interview to the New York Post, and this is what she said. Quote, Yesterday when Jose was arrested, my brother-in-law called me early to say he'd been arrested. We got married so we could join our asylum cases. He was the person I thought I could see through. We've known each other our entire lives. He wasn't aggressive, none of that. We had problems as a couple, but our problems weren't physical. We wouldn't punch, but we'd raise our voices. I want to talk to Jose. I have a lot of faith that this wasn't him, that there was a misunderstanding somewhere. But if he did, he has to pay for what he did, truly. The coroner confirmed that a rape kit was conducted on Lake and Riley, but the results have not been released. Ibarra appeared in court on Saturday. He was denied bail. And then ICE, which is Immigration and Customs Enforcement, also put a detainer on Jose Ibarra. I want to bring in uh, News Nation's national correspondent, Caitlin Becker, who's uh, on the UGA campus in Georgia tonight. So I, I just have so many questions. Let's start with Diego Ibarra, the brother. Turns out 
Uh, Jose Ibarra is not the only person who's here illegally and might have a lot of problems with the law. What's the story on the brother Diego Ibarra? You're, you're exactly right, Ashley. Diego Ibarra was actually formally charged today with the possession of a fraudulent green card. He was arrested during the course of this murder investigation for presenting said green card to police. Now, we learned from a UGA spokesperson yesterday that Diego Ibarra actually worked here on the UGA campus as a dishwasher in one of the dining halls, and he was fired just shortly after he was hired. And he was only hired a few weeks ago, Ashley, on February 6th. He didn't even get a first paycheck because he presented a fake green card and failed to be able to give proper documentation so the university ultimately let him go. Now, we understand that Diego also came into the country illegally. He was arrested, let go. He's been arrested several times in the last year for things like DUI and a shoplifting charge. So there's quite a lot going on here. Caitlin, um, you know, there's, I think, what, you use the DUI, driving without a license, shoplifting. There's just, you know, there's a lot that's probably going to come out with the background of these two brothers. Um, but in the meantime, let's talk about the vigil that was held um, for the victim in this case, Lake and Riley. Tell me a little bit about what happened on campus today. Ashley, it was really emotional, very moving. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students poured into this courtyard that's actually right across the street from me right here to honor the memory of Lake and Riley. This was entirely student-led. It was created by the Greek organizations on campus. Now, the sorority Alpha Chi Omega was the one that Lakin belonged to, and the chapter president gave a very emotional, very moving speech. I want you to take a look at some of it. Campus is really heavy right now. We're all heartbroken. I want to use this time to tell you about Lakin and all she was to Alpha Chi. It is so obvious to me why it feels so dark right now, and that is because we lost one of the brightest lights that there's ever been. This campus and our sisterhood will never be the same without Lake and Riley. Tell your friends that you love them, and never miss an opportunity for a sweet treat, one of Lakin's favorite pastimes, and scream the lyrics to your favorite song as loud as you can. Be kind. Catch up with your friends. Lakin, a caring, driven sister who taught us what a true friend is. Let this be our calling. If you see something, say something. That is the best way to honor these lives going forward. Ashley, so many of the students walked out of this vigil today hand in hand with tears in their eyes. It was really emotional. A lot of politics, too. Governor Kemp was there. His daughter goes to uh, UGA, and people are making this a very political uh, case. I suspect we're going to hear a lot more. Caitlin Becker, thank you for this. Appreciate the work. Thanks, Ashley. Coming up, a suspected killer already locked up for life makes a chilling confession to News Nation. Casey White broke out of an Alabama jail two years ago with the help from his guard slash girlfriend, Vicki White. Remember that? They were on the run for 11 days till their world came crashing down. Casey was dragged back to a cell. Vicki is dead. So why did Casey White call News Nation's Brian Enton to say, I have a little confession to make. Full story next. That's why VisionWorks makes it simple to schedule an eye exam that works for you. Even if you have a big trip to plan around. Thanks. I mean, I could see you right now. That's convenient. VisionWorks. See the difference. They were the prison lovebirds who made a run for it, and unlike the movies, there was no sunset on the horizon. It did not end well for Casey White and Vicki White, no relation. 
If you remember Vicki White, she was the Alabama prison guard who was just days away from retirement. But instead of having cake in the break room with the other guards, she helped one of her inmates escape. But it was an inmate with whom she had fallen hopelessly in love, an inmate that she believed loved her back. Casey White was doing 75 years for attempted murder and a long list of other violent felonies. Their brief taste of freedom together lasted just 11 days. That was almost two years ago when a national manhunt shook them out of hiding. Casey White was taken in alive, saw it on video. Vicki White wasn't. She shot herself in the head when the cops closed in. Their entire story, the forbidden love, the escape, their life on the run, and how it ended so tragically is getting the deep dive treatment on a new show that I've been working on called Crime Nation, right here on the CW Network. Um, you're going to see plenty of new material and big exclusive interviews, plus a phone call from Casey White himself to our Brian Enton. It just came one day out of the blue. Take a look. There were still so many questions about Casey and Vicky even after he was back in jail and the manhunt was over and Vicky was dead. So I started writing Casey White um, in the Alabama prison system, just wanting to hear his take on what happened behind the scenes with him and Vicky. And then one day out of the blue, my phone rang. It was a number that I didn't recognize. Uh, and I was shocked when I answered. It was Casey White on the other end. And I immediately started recording. You were saying you needed to talk to me ASAP. What, what's going on? A little progression to my... Crime Nation is all over the Casey White, Vicky White saga. Find out what confession Casey White made to Brian Enton on that phone call. And hear more about the attraction that some women develop for men who are condemned to a life behind bars. Take a look. There's a name for women who are attracted to violent criminals behind bars. It's a thing. They're called prison groupies. These are women that choose and actually prefer to date inmates or to get to know inmates for social and sexual needs to be met. And that appeal only becomes more intriguing when we start to talk about high-profile criminals. Usually it is women from outside the prison who fall for these guys because the whole relationship is really based on it being a fantasy. Vicky's case is something else entirely. She can have a real-world relationship with Casey, and she does. But it's still a fantasy. They're going to get caught sometime. You cannot go on the run and expect to live happily ever after. Vicki White was something more than a prison groupie. She was a 17-year corrections veteran who actually helped that violent inmate break out of prison. But the psychology seems to track. This is the uh, second week of Crime Nation. It's our extensive true crime anthology on the CW Network. So tune in Tuesday nights, 8, 7 central. Uh, we're going to do a big deep dive into Drew Peterson as well. And speaking of that, in case you happen to be around on this program tomorrow night, um, we've got a lot still to air about my, my two hours that I spent with uh, Drew Peterson behind bars. Um, when I was leaving the interview... 
I talked to some of the prison officials on the way out, and I was kind of fascinated that I was walking through the center courtyards, and there were inmates sort of all uh, in lines walking to chow and walking to, you know, all their different appointments. There's a barber. Uh, it was funny. The two inmates who were standing outside the barber yelled, Banfield, as we were walking by. It was kind of an odd moment, very surreal in my career. Um, but they said, some of those uh, officials, prison officials who were with us, said, they thought that Drew Peterson's lawyers were not going to be happy with some of the things he said. Tomorrow, Stacy Peterson's pastor is going to join us. He testified that Stacy told him all sorts of things that Drew had said to her about the murder of Kathleen. So make sure you come back tomorrow. More of the interview and the pastor. Cuomo's next. I'm Chris Cuomo, and what a week we're having. And it's only Monday. Just hours ago, a vigil held on the campus of the University of Georgia for 22-year-old nursing student Lakin Hope Riley, murdered Thursday morning, broad daylight, during her morning run. But the crime has now become bigger. The murder has now become a metaphor.